Thank you for joining today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast, and thank you for having a desire to be your best at work and helping your organization achieve success. This podcast focuses on tactical actions to improve workplace culture, and these tactics align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Applying an improvement mindset is a must-do for organizations to be excellent. Leaders and team members of excellent organizations are never satisfied, and they know they can continue to improve. Over the years, I've relied on Jim Collins' research and findings to guide me as a leader. The companies associated with his research were studied within a defined time period. The occurrences for those companies, therefore, are time-bound, yet the learnings from the results are timeless. The work we do at Studer Education focuses on timeless tactical actions that build the foundation of any excellent organization. This foundation relies on our nine principles for organizational excellence that in and of themselves are timeless. If you want to go back to our first three episodes, you can learn more about the nine principles. But for now, let's just review them for a few minutes. Principle one, commit to excellence. Set high expectations to achieve results while living out mission and values. Principle two, measure the important things. Continuously track progress with an improvement mindset. Principle three, build a culture around service. Serve others with great care and concern. Principle four, develop leaders to develop people. Coach people to be their best at work. Principle five, Focus on employee engagement. Attend to aspirations and desires in the workplace. Principle six, build individual accountability. Achieve beyond individual expectations. Principle seven, align behaviors with goals and values. Apply consistent practices to move the organization in a positive direction. Principle eight, communicate at all levels. Build connections so that people know how what they do matters. And principle nine, recognize and reward success. Value and appreciate people working together to get results. Define success, determine solutions, deliver results. Join Studer Education and teams from around the country at our annual leadership conference, What's Right in Education, on July 30th and 31st in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. As many of you know, Jim Collins' book, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and Others Don't, or Good to Great, describes his research team's findings on comparing successful companies to unsuccessful ones over a certain time period. He wanted to determine the key reasons why some companies were successful and others were not. In his first chapter, Jim Collins begins with this message, Good is the enemy of great. And that is one of the key reasons why we have so little that becomes great. We don't have great schools, principally, because we have good schools. We don't have great government, principally, because we have good government. Few people attain great lives, in large part, because it is just so easy to settle for a good life. The vast majority of companies never become great, precisely because the vast majority become quite good, and that is their main problem. Over the years, Jim Collins' research has 
help me continue to shape and reshape the timeless concepts as we focus on turning these learnings into tools and tactics leaders and employees can use to continuously improve and strive for excellence. I consider Collins' research foundational to understanding how companies and organizations choose greatness and become great. His work has also focused on how and why some companies fell apart. 20 years after the good to great study, we continue to find some organizations perform at poor, good, and excellent levels. And some companies he studied that were once excellence don't exist today. He wrote a second book called How the Mighty Fall, where he studied why companies that have been around for a long time go out of business. What continues to be true are some foundational areas for building excellent companies. What I think has changed is that the external environment and influencers for how we live today simply force us to be in a constant state of change. External pressures and change continue to push us to lead with high urgency for improvement and change. Even the type of organizations that have been foundational to the way we live, such as schools, higher education institutions, healthcare organizations, and government, are faced with a changing landscape. That's why I've become highly passionate about and committed to leading with an improvement mindset and helping other leaders do the same. It's a must-do to survive and thrive in today's world. Building a strong foundation is essential to growing and sustaining organizational excellence. So let's connect back to some timeless learnings from Jim Collins and transfer them to grow a strong organizational foundation. What do I mean by an improvement mindset? An improvement mindset means that everyone in the organization is always looking for ways to improve even when things are going well. When applying an improvement mindset, leaders and their teams use information and dialogue to assess and reflect on opportunities to improve. The organizational leaders and teams are focused on gaining input and moving input to improvement actions. To practice with an improvement mindset, we must do something Jim Collins found as critical to achieving greatness. Face the brutal facts. To do so, Collins helps us position our thinking by what he calls the Stockdale Paradox. The name is associated with Admiral Jim Stockdale, who was the highest-ranking military officer in the Hanoi Hilton, also known as the Hialeo Prison. During the Vietnam War, the North Vietnamese held POWs in this prison, and the North Vietnamese government used extreme methods of torture on Americans to extract information. Among those housed and tortured at the prison were Senator John McCain and Navy Commander James Bond Stockdale. Jim Collins had an opportunity to interview Stockdale and transferred some of his learnings from the interview to learnings from his research about leaders and companies. Jim Collins tells us that Stockdale was in the prison for about seven years and came out of the prison camp even stronger than he went in. As Collins reminds us, we can all survive anything as long as we know it will come to an end. This allows us to have a sense of control. As he learned about Stockdale and other prisoners' experiences, 
They had none of that. At a meeting with Stockdale, Collins asked him, how did you not let those oppressive circumstances beat you down? How did you not get depressed? And he said, well, you have to understand, it was never depressing. Because despite all those circumstances, I never ever wavered in my absolute faith that not only would I prevail, get out of this, but I would also prevail by turning it into the defining event of my life that would make me a stronger and better person. And Collins asked, who failed to make it out? He said, oh, that's easy. I can tell you who didn't make it out. It was the optimists. They were the ones who always said, we're going to be out by Christmas. Christmas would come, and it would go, and there would be another Christmas, and they died of a broken heart. Then this is what Stockdale empathetically told Jim Collins he learned from those years and highly oppressive constraints and conditions in the prison camp. Stockdale told Collins, you must never, ever, ever confuse, on the one hand, the need for absolute, unwavering faith that you can prevail despite those constraints, with, on the other hand, the need for the discipline to begin by confronting the brutal facts, whatever they are, Stockdale said. The brutal facts was we were not getting out of the prison by Christmas. So the Stockdale paradox recorded by Jim Collins tells us to retain faith that you will prevail in the end regardless of the difficulties and at the same time confront the brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Jim Collins calls this approach the marvelous ability to combine faith and fact. He says that the best leaders of the great companies had unwavering faith to succeed at the end game and did so by continuously confronting the brutal facts that were right in front of them. Collins found that every one of the great leaders from his study was comfortable with picking up the rock and looking at the ugly stuff underneath. They saw the ugly stuff. And they had a relentless approach to understanding why the ugly stuff was, was there and how to make changes to improve. The leaders that led companies to greatness knew that if they didn't confront the brutal facts, the brutal facts would confront them. Join Studer Education, our partners and me, at What's Right in Education on July 30th and 31st. Learn with teams from around the country who are deeply engaged in key transformational processes. These are leaders who are creating better cultures, successfully implementing change, and unleashing exemplary results. We explore behaviors that erode culture and learn how to shift our collective mindset of continuous improvement. You can learn more at studereducation.com forward slash W-R-I-E. Our human tendency when we confront information that is not friendly toward us or our work is to deny that ugly stuff. When we share data and results in order to move to solutions, I've seen many leaders and employees deny what's in front of them. I've been guilty of that as well. It's difficult to pick up the rock and uncover the ugly stuff. 
Sometimes it seems easier to put the rock back in its place and ignore what's underneath. When looking at the unfavorable data, the ugly stuff, we may simply deny the data by claiming the measurement tool is faulty, the sample size is too small, the information is the wrong kind, and so on. Some of this may be true, yet we see what's under the rock with what we have. Rather than put the rock back, let's learn more, test what we see and accept that we can make improvements. When looking at the ugly stuff under the rock, we may review the data for what it is and then blame someone else for the results. <laughs> Have you ever heard people say something like, I know it's a problem, but my hands are tied because leaders have the decision-making authority. I can't do anything about it. Or you may have said, I can't make a certain decision about hiring because human resources will only allow us to do it a certain way. Yeah, I think you get the point. When looking at the ugly stuff under the rock, we may review the data and see no way a solution can be found. It's just hopeless that something could change. Let's say in a university we are not improving our retention rate of students. In fact, it's continuing to decline. We may say, we are enrolling more and more students, but yeah, we can't, they can't afford college. There's nothing we can do to improve retention because these are the students who are enrolling in our institution. What we want to do is get to the place where we have information in front of us, review it for what it is, and uncover more information to learn about the brutal facts aligned to the information at hand. Our end goal is to uncover the layers of meaning from the brutal facts, probe for deeper understandings, and make informed decisions about actions to get better. And then we continue to watch it like a hawk, assess and reflect again and again and again. At times, leaders protect their teams and people in the organization by keeping the ugly stuff under the rock from people. I've found that sharing brutal facts with our teams is motivational. Assuming we have the right people in the right seats, our teams love to take on a challenge and bring potential solutions to the table. Collins tells us that one of the most demotivating actions leaders can take is to hold out from sharing the brutal facts, just simply hoping things will get better. These false hopes are soon swept away by events in the organization that follow with declining results. As the organization swirls downward, the events that occur become more severe and open to others. There's really no more hiding. What's one thing that keeps people from facing the brutal facts to create actions for change? When we think that somehow the results will get better, then we may keep the brutal facts from people. The positive turn is right around the corner, we may think, or the next corner, or the next corner. We may react and make some change without looking under the rock to see what's beneath the surface. Our changes become chaotic and confusion, and we're desperately trying to survive. Why? Why do we do this? Here's the reality. Most of us don't want to change. We want whatever we have created to work out beautifully. When we've worked long and dedicated hours on something, for goodness sake, we want it to succeed. When we have to review the bad and ugly with something we're highly invested in, we become defensive, bewildered, panicky, frustrated. And this reaction may cause us to resist change with a sense of hopelessness. We may tend to turn hopelessness to working harder and longer 
believing this action will make improvements occur and upturn the results. Now, don't get me wrong, hard work is important, but working hard on the right work leads to greatness. Nothing improves without learning more about what's under the rock and engaging our teams to use data to assess and reflect on why things have occurred. Change comes from seeing a situation as it is and learning what we need to do to improve and then doing it as we continue to assess and reflect on how well it is working. So this week, reflect on these two questions. Is your organization facing the brutal facts? Does it support an improvement mindset as part of the culture and why or why not? Do you face the brutal facts about your contribution? Do you have an improvement mindset as part of the expectations you have for growing as a team member of the organization? Why or why not? When I first became a leader, I was scared of facing the brutal facts. I thought that by doing so, it would be a negative reflection on me. What if people thought I was not doing a good job as a leader in particular areas? Reflecting back, I preferred to keep that information under the rock. And then something ugly would surface and I had to handle it. Today, although still tough to see, I know that learning as much as I can about what's under the rock helps me become a better leader and the organization to have the opportunity to grow to greatness. This week, as you walk somewhere, pick up a rock partly buried in the ground. Pick it up, look under it, and think about one or two things in your organization that are staring back at you. Then ask yourself, how do I imply an improvement mindset as I face the brutal facts I see? More to come on just how to do this as we continue with the next series of episodes. Regardless of whether or not we pick up the rock and study what's underneath, we'll have to face the brutal facts. If we don't confront the brutal facts, the brutal facts will confront us. Let's play offense, assess and reflect about the brutal facts by engaging in a dialogue to move input to action. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. I look forward to connecting with you on our next podcast episode where we will learn more about how to face the brutal facts. We will focus on how we manage our emotions when reviewing feedback from others about our work. Have a great week.